Good evening and welcome to our Good Friday service. You may not know this, but we are going to have communion this evening, so I'm going to uh, suggest to you, you probably don't have the normal communion elements at home, but really almost anything will do. Crackers, potato chips, cookies, orange juice, water, Kool-Aid, milk, whatever you have, Jesus will be good with that because it doesn't really matter. It's the attitude of the heart when we come to the communion table. So you might want to pause now and get those things ready. And if you already have them ready, great. We'll begin with our service this evening. I'd like to start this evening by sharing with you uh, a comic strip from the comic BC. And uh, I'll make it bigger here so you can see what happens. And there's one guy sitting there and he says, I hate the term Good Friday. And his friend says, why? My Lord was hanged on a tree that day. And his friend says, if you were going to be hanged on that tree and he volunteered to take your place, how would you feel? Good, he said. Have a nice day, his friend said. Let's start our evening with a little bit of worship to reflect and prepare our hearts. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory My sin upon his shoulders Ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him there Until it was accomplished his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an 
answer but this I know with all my heart his wounds have paid my ransom why should I gain from his reward I cannot give an answer but this I know with all my heart his wounds have paid my ransom Tonight I would like to take some time to learn a few love lessons from Good Friday. And these are lessons that will uh, communicate to us and teach us just how much God loves us and how much our Savior, Jesus Christ, loves us. The first lesson I want to look at this evening is a lesson from the road. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 33, this is what it says. It says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus pulls his disciples aside and tells them what is going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. And then... He continues to head to Jerusalem. It's really interesting. Earlier in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 9, it says this. It says, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. In the King James, it says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Knowing what awaited him in Jerusalem, he became even more intentional on getting there knowing that he would face certain death, knowing that it was going to be a horrific death. Look at what John Piper says about this. He says the following. Remember when you think of Jesus' resolution to die, that he had a nature like ours. He shrunk back from pain like we do. He would have enjoyed marriage and children and grandchildren and a long life and esteem in the community. He had a mother and brothers and sisters. He had special places in the mountains to turn his back on all this and set his face towards vicious whipping and beating and spitting and mocking and crucifixion was not easy. It was hard. It was difficult. And sometimes I wonder what the disciples thought when he said that. John 15 uh, verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I've often tried to picture myself in that position, being with Jesus and hearing Jesus talk about what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem. And then seeing him continue with intent to head to Jerusalem. What was going through the mind of his disciples? Maybe this song will Help you think about that a little. Mm -hmm. 
walking down the road to Jerusalem trying hard to match my teacher's stride why does he walk so fast when he knows what's waiting there please tell me I don't understand why Lord please slow down I'm not ready for a town full of people who will praise you then watch you die Lord please help me see doesn't make sense to me there are tears in your eyes but you don't seem to slow down walking down the road to Jerusalem trying hard to understand the master's plan Why does he have to die when he came to set us free? This isn't the way to treat the Son of Man. Lord, please slow down. I'm not ready for a town full of people who will praise you. Then watch you die Lord please help me see It doesn't make sense to me There are tears in your eyes But you don't seem to slow down Oh what incredible love know the bitter taste before he took the drink what more could he give the life he chose to live he knew that dying was the only Walking down the road to Jerusalem Trying hard to see through my father's eyes He gave his only son So that we could understand That he'd rather die than live without us Lord, please slow down. I'm not ready for a town full of people who will praise you, then watch you die. Lord, please hear my cry, for I don't want to see you die. There are 
tears in my eyes, but you don't seem to slow down. Walking down the road to Jerusalem, trying hard to match my teacher's stride. Next, I would like to look at a lesson from the table. This is what it says in John chapter 13, starting in verse 21. It says the following. It says, Jesus became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Jesus and his disciples gathered for their Passover meal together. The Passover was for looking back and looking forward. It, it was a time to look back at how God delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage. And it was a time to look forward to the coming of the Messiah. At this meal, Jesus tells them that one of them will betray him. And he tells them that it is Judas. Now let's talk about Judas's relationship with Jesus for a few minutes. He lived with Jesus for three and a half years. He was chosen by Jesus. And he heard everything that Jesus taught, just like all the other disciples. Jesus loved Judas. He treated him with as much love as the rest of the disciples. Think about this. When Jesus was at the Last Supper, he taught his disciples a lesson in humility, and he washed all of their feet. Jesus washed Judas's feet, too. I wonder what he was thinking when he washed Judas's feet. What did he feel? knowing that Judas was going to betray him. And all this time, even though Jesus knows this, and even when the time comes for Judas to betray him, he, he doesn't chastise him. He doesn't say, how could you do this to me? He simply says, what you are going to do, do quickly. He loved Judas to the end. And I know that if Judas had come to him, even while Jesus was on the cross and sought forgiveness, Jesus would have forgiven him. For his love for us is not based on our worthiness, is it? 
Look what it says in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for Judas, if Judas would have only embraced him as the Messiah. So friends, we're going to come to the communion table together this evening and reflect on Jesus' love for us. When Jesus was with his disciples at that Last Supper, they sat together, and while they were in the meal, Jesus took that bread, and he tore it in half. He said, you see this bread? This is my body. And then he proceeded to rip it in half. And he said, my body will be broken for you for your forgiveness of sins. What Jesus was saying is, this is how much I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to be broken apart for you to take the penalty of your sins. So I'm going to ask you if you will join me now and take the bread and eat it and remember the depth of Jesus' love for us. After the meal, Jesus took a cup and he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. You see, God had already taught Israel that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Jesus is saying, this is the everlasting covenant. I am the sacrifice. It is my blood that is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And he said, whenever you do this, remember me. Not just remember Jesus as the person, but remember how much Jesus loves you. So I'm going to ask you to join me, and we'll take the cup together and remember how much Jesus loves us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and we thank you for the privilege of coming to the communion table together to celebrate you and take time to reflect on the depth of the love that you have for us. Amen. Now I'd like to take a look at a lesson from the garden. And we're talking about the garden of Gethsemane here. In Mark uh, 14, we're going to start in verse 32, and it says this, it says, they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed, and he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be very distressed and troubled, and he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death, remain here and keep watch, and he went a little beyond them, and fell to the ground, and began to pray, that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. This passage tells us why Jesus was distressed, why he was troubled and, and deeply grieved. He was 
distressed because he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew he would be separated from the Father. He knew that he would be subject to the full wrath of God for the sins of the world. The weight on him must have been immense. Look at Jesus' prayer in uh, verse 36. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Mark tells us that he prayed this prayer more than once and that he prayed for over an hour. Look what it says in verse 42. It says he went away a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus' prayers in the garden tell us so much about our Lord. He knew how deep the suffering was going to be. He also knew it was for the redemption of mankind. And he also knew that with God, all things were possible. And if it was possible that God could spare him this suffering, he would. He calls him Abba, and Abba really means daddy. Can you imagine that? Daddy, I don't want to do this. Daddy, it's going to hurt. But God's will was for Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. And that was the bottom line. He was driven by his love for the Father and his love for us. He loved us through the fear, through the anguish. And he was willing to surrender himself. Surrender to the opposite. Surrender is the opposite of selfishness. His selflessness, his selfless sacrifice, was driven by his love for us and driven by our redemption. Let's sing together. I bow my knee where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. You have overcome the grave. Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now?
Finally, this evening, I'd like to take a look at a lesson from the cross. And actually, I have two lessons from the cross. So uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 23. And this is a little longer passage, but it's important to read all of it. Verses 32 through 43. And this is what it says. It says, Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place called the skull... There they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, like I said, there are actually two illustrations here, which teach the same lesson. The first is from Jesus' interaction with the one thief. We know nothing about this criminal except that he was a criminal, a thief. We don't know how many times he stole or how much he stole. But look what it says in Matthew 27, verse 44. It says this. It says, The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with their word with the same words. It tells us that this robber, along with the other robber, was initially insulting Jesus. But what changed his heart? Was it when he heard Jesus ask the Father to forgive those who were crucifying Jesus? The thief shows a sign of faith in Jesus. And these are the last kind words said to Jesus before he dies. And how does Jesus respond? He offers hope for the thief. Real hope. He states a fact. Today you shall be with me in paradise. He gave hope to a man whose only redeeming quality was faith. Not only hope, but he gave him forgiveness. The second lesson is in verse 34. 
And it says, but Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus pleads for the forgiveness of his executioners. Think about that. Now, I'm sure the executioners had heard many things at previous crucifixions, insults, curses, swearing, threats, hatred by those who were being crucified. And I'm sure they never heard anyone ask for them to be forgiven before. Even in the midst of insults and suffering and abuse, Jesus was still on a mission, the forgiveness of man. This teaches us that his love for us can never be thwarted. And he has set for us the standard for forgiveness. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 44. And this is out of the New King James. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. The lessons we learn from these events are that our Lord loves us more deeply than we will ever understand. His example of love calls us to love others just as deeply. Let's sing one more song before we go this evening. Oh, to see the dark of the darkest day Christ on the road to Calvary Tried by sinful men Torn and beaten then Nailed to a cross of wood this the power of the cross Christ became sin for us took the blame for the wrath we stand forgiven the cross 
Now the ground beneath shakes as its maker bows his head. Curtain torn into dead I raised to life. thank you for this good Friday and we thank you for the forgiveness that we have in you. We thank you for this time to reflect and to celebrate you. And we thank you in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ.